Hi, this is Elliot Fishman, and welcome to part three of our evaluation of the spleen challenges in diagnosis and misdiagnosis. Before, we spoke about some of the benign splenic lesions like cysts and hemangiomas, which brought us up to hamartomas. So let's start with hamartomas. They're relatively rare tumors. They're anomalous mixture of splenic elements, and they're congenital in nature. They're usually solitary, but can be multiple, and they can be associated with tuberous sclerosis. The CT appearances are non-contrast scans. They're either iso or hypodense. With enhancement, they do tend to show better and they wash out relatively quickly, but they have slow enhancement. In some sense, they could seem similar to hemangiomas, but I think I could recognize them in most cases because they're large, they also protrude beyond the uh, borders of the spleen, and they tend to be very well-defined, particularly on venous phase imaging. So here's an example, non-contrast. You see a mass on the venous phase. You see how well-defined the lesion is, and you see how it kind of pushes out the border of the spleen. That's a very classic finding in my experience for hamartoma. Here's another one, a large lesion. It's essentially what you would consider exophytic, kind of like a gist of the stomach perhaps, but it's coming off the spleen. It's enhancing similar to the spleen, though maybe a little bit of increased enhancement here. You can see it has some prominent vessels going into it, but it's that exophytic nature to me that's most important. And you could see as you go through the imaging, as you go to venous phase, it becomes almost isodense with the rest of the spleen, but it's a bulging mass and that's a hamartoma. Another example, modeled enhancement, but it's bulging the splenic outline. You can see it here again on the axial and coronal. You can see some of the cystic spaces within the lesion, some of the areas of increased vascularity, and you can see how it pushes out. Hamartoma. Again, another example showing you the bulging, the vascularity, Again, you could think of what else? Angiosarcoma are usually more vascular, not so smooth, significant neovascularity. Metastasis from metastatic renal cell doesn't cause the bulging you see here. Uh, hemangioma doesn't cause the bulging you see here. Just lymphoma can cause enlargement of the spleen, but not the enhancement you see here. So I'm thinking when you start looking at these, they begin to look very similar to each other. Here it is, the look on cinematic rendering with the textural changes and the outpouching of the lesion. This article by Thipasong, splenic hamartomas are tumors composed of a mixture of tumor tissue and normal splenic tissue, ranging from three millimeters to 20 centimeters in size. So again, um, a very important lesion, but it's a benign lesion. And again, the challenge is to be able to recognize it. Again, on unenhanced CT, hamartomas are usually isodense. And then this distortion. To me, that's the key finding, okay? That contour abnormality to me is the most important thing. And here's just a few more examples. Shows you how large the lesions can be pushing on the splenic border, though it is fairly well-defined. A large hamartoma. Now there are several benign or several not benign splenic lesions that are very rare, hard to make the diagnosis. 
One is littoral cell splenic angioma. It's a vascular tumor arising from the cells lining the splenic red pulp, hence the name littoral. It's a rare splenic vascular tumor discovered either as an incidental finding or occasionally in patients with abdominal pain. The gross appearance of the spleen can be slight to moderately enlarged with a cross section showing widened splenic trabeculae and more commonly multifocal than a solitary lesion. These littoral cell tumors are typically, as I noted, incidental, but can have symptoms including anemia and thrombocytopenia. So most of the time it's an incidental finding. Other times you may have a number of other factors going on to make you think of the lesion. Now, no one has seen a lot of these lesions, which is probably why we don't have great experience in recognizing them. Uh, but most people will say that the appearance is just not very specific. Usually the diagnosis is made on pathology. So not a great, uh, not a great success story for CT. Here's another one. Looks very much like a case I showed you before, which was a hamartoma. Here it looks multiple. So again, you need to be really careful. These lesions can be multiple. They can look like hamartomas. It's a very unusual diagnosis, and we don't see too many of them. There's also something called an inflammatory pseudotumor, which is a rare benign process, hypodense on, with delayed enhancement on CT. Here it is a large mass. The spleen is enlarged, pushing on the stomach. I would think about lymphoma. I would think about some malignancy. Could this be a hematoma? Eh. Not exactly the way it enhances. Literal cell tumor, not exactly that you might think about that. But the mass effect makes me think of malignancy. I'm thinking about lymphoma, even a sarcoma. This was not, this was an inflammatory pseudotumor. Just a beautiful example showing you the texture of the lesion. A really, really nice diagnosis. And inflammatory pseudotumors, you can see differential diagnosis, METS, lymphoma, infarction, hemangioma, lymphangioma, abscess, malignancy. Again, it's a non-malignant condition, but it's diagnosed at pathology. And the third tumor in this group, I like to think about littoral cell, inflammatory pseudotumor, and SANT, or sclerosing angiomatoid nodular transformation, which is why SANT comes off your tongue better. It's a rare tumor. It's a non-neoplastic, again, vascular lesion. Um, differential diagnosis, hematomas, inflammatory myoblastic tumors, literal cell angiomas, hemangioendotheliomas. Females over men, a wide age range possibility. Most of the time it's an incidental finding. Sometimes patient presents with abdominal pain and discomfort or splenomegaly, but that's kind of rare. Patients will end up with splenectomy because no one knows the diagnosis and the patients have a benign course. Here's an example, a very non-specific splenic lesion. Could be lymphoma, could be METS, could be prior infarct, could be almost anything. But this patient ended up with a splenectomy. So sand tumors are rare. It may not be possible to exclude malignancy based on the imaging features, and needle biopsy or splenectomy may be required in cases, in certain cases. And um, that means most of the time, because I've never diagnosed SANT. I put in the differential diagnosis, but never just said, this is a SANT, next case. Now, let's go to splenic malignancies. We talk about primary and we talk about metastasis. 
primary, we think about lymphoma and angiosarcoma. Mets, we think about the things that go to the spleen, melanoma, lung cancer, breast, and renal are just some of the possibilities. We can also have direct extension by something like pancreatic cancer. Now, angiosarcomas are really rare. Hypervascular lesions, usually multifocal, can involve the liver and involve the spleen. Here it's only involving the spleen, multiple irregular vascular masses. It's not the look of hemangioma, hematoma, or anything like that. Uh, could it be a metastasis? It could be. But when you see this vascularity, you see the ascites, we're talking malignancy, and this was um, an angiosarcoma. Primary angiosarcoma of the spleen is a rare and aggressive malignant neoplasm arising from splenic vascular endothelium and mesenchymal-derived elongated endothelial cells lining the spleen's, the spleen's spongy network of sinusoids. So they're rapidly proliferating, highly infiltrating, tend to recur locally, and are aggressive in terms of metastasis. In terms of the few cases we've seen, ill-defined heterogeneously enhancing splenic mass with areas of necrosis. Patients with angiosarcoma can have spontaneous splenic rupture. They also get meds to liver, lung, and bone, and nodes, and these are often vascular. So the case I showed you was just a beautiful example. Okay, so again, multiple vascular lesions are what we're looking at. This article by Thompson from way back when, uh, spoke about the various enhancement patterns. But in this article, the techniques were different. Fast acquisition, you're going to see that vascularity. Um, again, a very, very important diagnosis to consider, but something that's exceedingly rare. Um, contrast enhancement of angiosarcoma is variable depending on the degree of tumor and necrosis and can mimic that of hepatic hemangioma by showing avid peripheral enhancement. Now, I have to admit, I've not had the problem of being confused between an angiosarcoma and a splenic hemangioma. Now, when we talk about splenic tumors, we also talk about metastasis. Melanoma, ovary, and pancreas are three of the good ones. When you think about hematogenous spread, we think about melanoma. When you think about direct extension, you think about pancreatic cancer, particularly tail of pancreas. We talk about large renal cancers or colon cancer, but pancreas is the one we think about the most. Splenic mets can occur with widespread disease and parenchymal diseases caused by hematogenous dissemination. The most common cancers with splenic mets include melanoma, and then breast, lung, ovary, stomach, and prostate. So no great surprises there. Now with ovarian cancer, here's a good example of ovarian cancer, but often because ovarian cancer gives you implants, the tumor is on the surface of the liver and grows into the liver. And you can see it here kind of on the surface growing in. And that's kind of that pattern of pseudomyxoma peritonei that you can see with ovarian cancer. Here's another patient metastasis to the spleen and to the left adrenal from renal cell carcinoma. Again, you can think of hemangioma, but the rim enhancement is too great. The patient has a right nephrectomy. You got to be thinking metastatic renal cell carcinoma, which this was. Here's an example of neuroendocrine tumor um, of the lung. You can see masses in the, left low, in the right lower lung with and now mets to the patient's spleen you can see the extent of the splenic involvement. Melanoma 
can involve the spleen as well as multiple organs. So when you see melanoma or you evaluate for melanoma, you got to look at the spleen, you got to look at the liver, you got to look at the adrenals, you got to look at the bowel, you got to look at the muscle, you got to look at the soft tissues. Melanoma is often multifocal. Here's a nice example of melanoma with extensive splenic and hepatic involvement. Very nicely shown. You can see it with cinematic. Looks almost like a Swiss cheese configuration. Here it is again. Now, we mentioned the adjacent tumors, particularly tail of pancreas growing in, but gastric cancer, renal cancer, or retroperitoneal sarcomas can all involve the spleen. At times when the primary tumor has been resected, recurrence can also involve the spleen. Here's a nice example of a large mass in the tail of the pancreas with direct extension and involvement of the spleen. Classic case. Here's another example, tail of pancreas, tumor growing into the spleen. We also talk about the splenic involvement with a range of neoplastic processes, inflammatory processes, and additional pathologies where it's best defined as infiltration rather than focal lesions. When you think about infiltration, the one that always comes up first to me is going to be lymphoma. It's the most common primary tumor of the spleen, but it's rare, usually non-Hodgkin's B-cell type. We then have more involvement with secondary splenic lymphoma, where the patient has multiple areas of involvement, whether it's liver, kidneys, nodes, but also splenic involvement. So with, with secondary splenic lymphoma, at presentation, the spleen is involved, though we may not always see it, in more than 25% of cases. And here's just a nice example, multiple low-density lesions in the spleen. This was lymphoma. It doesn't look benign. It looks worrisome. The thing about this case, could this be METS? The answer is yes. But when you see this appearance, you got to be thinking about an underlying process such as lymphoma. Here's another example. This is B-cell lymphoma. But look at the infiltration of the enlarged spleen. It's kind of like the host spleen is infiltrated by something. Could it be amyloid, Gaucher's disease, myeloma? There it is, arterial versus venous. That pattern is even more accentuated on the venous phase. Here it is again on coronal view. Here it is really nicely shown on the patient's cinematic views. And again, what you're dealing with is an infiltrating process in the spleen with significant textural changes, and that was a patient with lymphoma. Here's another case, large B-cell lymphoma involving the spleen, multiple solid masses, spleen's a little bit large. You see some nodes in the periodic and peripancreatic region, but the biggest thing is going to be, you know this is lymphomatous infiltration of the spleen. Here it is on venous phase, where at times you see the adenopathy, but you can see how the multiple masses do stand out ever so slightly better. And here is just the lower extent of involvement than the adenopathy. When you look at lymphoma of the spleen, as in this case, the, the masses in the spleen are typically hypovascular. They're typically multiple, as in this case. They typically enhance minimally. And you see lots of adenopathy present. The masses in lymphoma tend to be larger than the masses in sarcoidosis. That is a good example. Now, as we mentioned previously, when you have a process with the spleen, you look at other organs. Here's an infiltrating tumor 
in the spleen. I don't think you're thinking about benign or infection. This looks like tumor. Lymphomas on the top of your list. Could it be metastasis? Whatever it is, it sure looks like it's malignant. Well, then you look further and you see there's a mass by the pancreas. So you want to look at non-splenic findings as well. So now you look at a mass in the pancreas, no dilated duct. Alone, that would make me think about lymphoma. With the splenic involvement, this is going to be lymphoma. Just a really nice example of multiple solid organ involvement. Another case, B-cell lymphoma involving the liver and spleen as well as adenopathy. A very classic example of B-cell lymphoma. Multiple hypodense lesions in the spleen. The spleen does not necessarily need to be enlarged. It's a little bit prominent, but you can see the infiltration of the liver as well. Very nicely shown on the venous phase imaging. So again, multi-organ involvement, adenopathy, all points to the diagnosis of lymphoma. Think about this case and think about some of the earlier benign lesions. You can see why there really is no confusion in separating the two diagnoses. And again, here's just a few more images. CLL can infiltrate the spleen and give the largest spleens. Look at the texture and look at the size of the spleen pushing on the stomach, displacing the kidney. And here it is on venous phase. On venous phase, you get that salt and pepper type appearance. It's particularly classic for an infiltrating process such as leukemia or lymphoma, but just a very nice uh, pattern for that. And here it is on the coronal view. Again, look at the size of the spleen, look how it extends down to the pelvis, and look for all the textural changes. Very nicely shown. Now, in patients who have CLL involvement of the spleen, when the spleen gets that large, it's not surprising you can get spontaneous splenic bleeds. Spontaneous splenic bleeds can occur with mononucleosis. They can occur with sarcoidosis. They can occur with almost any process that causes the spleen to get enlarged. But CLL is one of them. Left upper quadrant pain. You see the blood around the spleen. You see active bleeding within the spleen on these images. Again, so spontaneous rupture of the spleen or splenic bleed is one of the complications of patients with very large spleens due to um, lymphoproliferative disorders. And again, very nicely shown here. Really, really nicely shown also in the cinematic. The blood, subcapsular and pericapsular blood, the active site of bleeding in the spleen, and the markedly enlarged spleen. Lymphoma is the most common malignancy of the spleen, can be either primary or can be part of multifocal or systemic disorder. Splenic involvement is seen in 33% of all patients with Hodgkin's lymphoma and up to 40% of patients with non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. So it's a very, very common finding in our workup. Now, one of the challenges is at times the tumor infiltrates in the spleen, it's a little bit harder to see than discrete lesions. So you need to be very careful in terms of protocol and in terms of windowing. Lymphoma can infiltrate the spleen diffusely, causing splenomegaly, or present with nodules or masses, and I've showed you both examples. Necrosis of lymphoma is rare, and infarction can occasionally occur, but that's pretty rare as well. So now we'll say, what if you go beyond the spleen and you also have liver involvement? What should we be thinking of? Well, you know what I'm thinking of? I'm thinking that we need to take a break and then let's come back and pick it up right here. See you in a few minutes.
If you like this video, make sure to subscribe to the CTSS YouTube channel. You can also visit us at ctss.com for even more videos, plus quizzes, pearls, protocols, and oh so much more. We're also in the App Store and have well over a dozen apps for iPhone and iPad, all completely free. Thanks for watching.